Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Propulsion Swimming Podcast. I am your host Scott, and with me as always is Dan. How's things with you today? It's good, it's been another busy week, and we have another really good guest lined up. We do. He's, uh, he's just done an ultra swimming challenge. His name is George Taplin, and he's done 13 lakes in three days. Yeah, in the Lake District in the UK, and he's the first person to complete 13 lakes, isn't he? He is, yeah. yeah. Um, so, hello, George. Welcome to this week's episode of the Propulsion Swimming Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. I know you've been really busy recently with other media commitments, so we're, we're glad we managed to uh, nab you for a quick phone call. No, of course. Thank you for having me. Well, we wanted to start off with uh, your journey through swimming. So how did you get involved in swimming and where has it led you to the present time? Yeah, sure. Um, so I've got two older sisters um, and I think like most families, we were encouraged to take up swimming uh, just sort of for water safety. Um, and rather, when I was quite young, rather than just sitting on the poolside watching my older sisters, uh, the coach invited me in. So I started training um, when I was like five and then, um, yeah, just, the standard competitive swimming route and that quickly developed into um, you know moving up to sort of five, six sessions and then eight to nine I joined Hillingdon Swimming Club um, where I then sort of moved on to the eight sessions a week and um, yeah that, that, I had a lot of success as like an age group swimmer there um, in 2013 I managed to win five golds uh, sort of aged as a 13 year old swimmer at mm. the national championship Nice what uh, events did you specialise in for that? Oh, it was a real mixture. I went, I, I competed in nine events at Nationals. Wow. I managed to, um, yeah, I managed, it was ranging from the 100 metres front call up to the 1500. Um, so all, all the events, um, most, mostly front call though. Uh, and then, yeah, in 2016, I moved over to Maidenhead Swimming Club, um, which is where I went to uh, the 2016, like the, the, the British trials for Rio, um, which, yeah, was, was a great experience and, I managed to sort of sub the four-minute 400 front crawl, uh, which I was really pleased with. Obviously, not like that's going to put you on the team. But, um, that's was, that's yeah, a big I, target time to hit, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think in the long course pool, I was really pleased with that. Um, and then, yeah, I moved on to university. So uh, I went to university in Sheffield, and here I wanted to try new things opposed to just swimming. And you've got the Peak District right next to you. So I then started triathlon, so... Because um, the cycling's so great in Sheffield, um, mm. my swimming took a turn from you know in the pool to you know the triathlon style of swimming, which is more open water, mm. and that's where I started to sort of learn more about um, yeah the world of open water swimming. And um, actually, in 2017, I did a charity swim with my dad, where we swam across the width of Lake Geneva, so from Lucerne to Evian Le Bon. How, how far is that? The, uh, it's a 13 kilometer straight. Okay, that so, must have been so um, nice, the, the scenic. I've never been to Geneva, but I can only imagine how nice that would have been. Yeah, exactly. It was ideal, um, ideal conditions, actually. Uh, we had to start at 5am because of the paddle steamers, so we got this amazing <laughs> sunrise. And that, you know, this is where I started to learn some of um, how connected with sort of nature you are in open water swimming as well. Cause yeah. It, it, yeah. Very structured and your times, which obviously as a swimmer you, you've got that still that sympathetic feeling of swimming, which is great. But it's a whole new ball game when you sort of move into the lake and the rivers, and when, when you start to you get that sense of nature as well. Yeah, so you're not worrying so much about the clock. I think that's something yeah. something we found that we went on. We've just been starting wild swimming because obviously the pools are all closed right now. Yeah, and exactly. there's there's yeah. a sense of freedom about it that I, I think I was starting to 
not lack enjoyment for swimming, but it was becoming quite monotonous in a pool. I suppose like, if you're in a pool, all you see is a blue line. And if you go to open water, you do get the scenes of the trees and yeah. other people and nature, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It does make you feel a bit better about yourself, doesn't it? Mm. And it's, it's not so target-based. Yeah. So your, your swim at Lake Geneva, was that your first attempt at really almost a, a long-distance swim? I would say so, yeah. Um, the, the funny thing is, I mean, in terms of a long open water point to point swim, that was my first one. Um, but you know, as you know, as an age group swimmer, when I was like thirteen, um, on Sundays I'd swim three hours in the pool, and that would be, I would, you know, some of my larger sessions were about twelve kilometres. So Blimey. I still hadn't really broken like the realms of what I thought was possible for me as such without swim. So then I was curious after the Geneva swim. I felt okay. And I was wondering how much further I could go. <laughs> so was that kind of your starting point to get into this ultra swimming? Yeah, definitely. I, I think, um, I'm sure you heard of Ross Edgeley, uh, you know, the adventurer who's swam around Great Britain. I have, yeah. 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 yeah, he's done uh, a great swim from um, Martinique to St. Lucia as well. Uh, he, he got caught in his tide, so he didn't quite land it. Um, but that was a, sort of a, nearly a 40 kilometer swim. And I was just amazed at how, you know, he, he can keep on going and how he can scale up distances like that from swimming. So I was curious to see what, what the limiting factor for my body would be. Um, so what, what's going to stop me from swimming forever as such? As long as you sort of take on the right carbohydrates, um, what is it, you know, that's going to stop you? And that's, that's um, I had this sort of thought last summer and uh, I started on the river at Henley, Henley-on-Thames, mm. and ended up swimming for, for 10 hours that day. Um, right through and landed at Windsor, which was about 38 kilometres uh, down river. That's crazy, isn't it? Blimey. So what was the, what was the inspiration to, do, to swim 13 lakes in three days? Um, so I, I've always wanted to go to the Lake District because obviously they've got the longest lake in England there, Windermere. Yeah, um, yeah it's a gorgeous and lake. At and after the, the 10 swim, which was a 38 kilometre swim, I figured I didn't want to just do Windermere. I wanted to try and test myself and get another long swim in. So I was contemplating the Windermere like two way. However, okay. I then saw that Lake Coniston was right next to it, so I thought it'd be good to try and do that one in the same day. Um, and then I started to realise, you know, well, actually, Wast Water's not too far away. And then, you know, you've got the Pristine Three, which is Lowe's Water, Crummock Water, and Buttermere. And I, I had a quick Google for what the total distance of all the lakes are, uh, and thought, you know what, that mileage is. You know, it could be a fantastic challenge to try and do in three days. Sounds like a bit of a snowball effect, almostly. Exactly, exactly. It sort of all set up itself, almost. Okay, and you did this swim for a charity, didn't you? It was Just the Drop. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, Just the Drop, they're a, a clean drinking water charity. So uh, they work worldwide, um, and their goal is to sort of bring safe and sustainable water to communities in water-scarce areas. Uh, so... That it, it was highly sort of relatable to a swim, you know, a swimming challenge I was doing. Yeah. And uh, I've been I've been studying conservation biology at university at the University of Sheffield. So uh, a lot of the case studies we've been looking at, has, you know, sort of been the importance of water in sort of all components of society. And this was a great opportunity to me, for me to branch sort of my love of swimming and sport and you know, ultra distance swimming with sort of my passion for what I'm studying as well. So. Yeah, sounds like a really good motivation. So what we're going to do is in the description of this podcast, we will link your, is it just giving page that you're fundraising on? Yeah. 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 So we'll link that in the podcast. So for any listeners who are interested in kind of reading more about George's challenge sure. 
or raising money for him, please go ahead and click on the link. We're always happy to support anyone who does any charity yeah, work, it's... always. This is, what, the third or fourth we've had now? Yeah. And we're always happy to do it, always. Yeah. So you must have... Um, did you only do any prior training before swimming these lakes? Like, obviously, the temperatures yeah. are colder. Have you got to acclimatise yourself? Exactly. There's, there's so many components for ultra-distance swimming. It's, it's mm. almost a different sport to competitive swimming, which is where I probably feel most sort of educated but i've been trying to learn um you know how to sort of prepare my body for a 70 kilometers in three days and actually that sort of requires um some careful attention to looking after your body almost so i had to start um i did a lot of stretching beforehand and also i was trying to do some strength work as well to sort of um there's, there's a lot of evidence now pointing towards the benefit of strength training for injury prevention yeah. And when you're actually swimming, your heart rate, you know, for long distances, my heart rate was probably between 120 to 140. Um, nowhere near the high intensity that I'm swimming in the pool. It's a totally different demand. Whereas I'm going to be swimming for prolonged periods of, you know, up to eight hours a day. So I had to try and almost make sure that my, um, you know, that my tendons and my muscles were sort of prepared for that workload. Where it's not so much of a cardiovascular stress, but there's almost like an impact on your actual joint. So a lot of my yeah training was trying to just um, strengthen up my shoulders, get them flexible as well, and then do some low, um, obviously some long swims, which are low intensity, just to try and build that aerobic base up. Yeah, nice. Well, what I'm most interested in is the recovery, because obviously it's a lot of distance and you didn't have much rest at all, I'm assuming. And what was it? You, <laughs> swam, you swam Windermere on the first day which was the yeah. biggest distance. So how did you recover between each lake? So um, after Windermere, I think the most important thing was, one, I needed to warm up as quickly as I could because when you're cold, you have to, you're expending more calories. Mm. And I was in a huge, I was going to be in a huge deficit anyway from the swimming and I needed to try and minimise that calorie loss. So first of all, it was about getting warm. And thankfully, um, Dry Road, they, they sponsored me and that was an essential bit of kit for this lake district to keep your core temperature up. Um, just to sort of minimise calorie losses. Uh, and then I also took a, a roller with me as well. So just a foam roller, often, like what swimmers, you often find them on swimmers' rucksacks and things, and that was really helpful between lakes, just to use on the top of my back um, and sort of to use on my, my yeah, your, your laps, because they were really sore after the swim. Mm, um, I can imagine. And then, obviously, a key part was nutrition. So um, I had, funny enough, on the first day, I had lots of sugary things in place to get the calories in. But after the first day, my, you know, your sort of stomach doesn't actually crave sugar anymore. There's only so much you can take. And I really started to crave savoury things. Like I ended up having a lot of spinach and uh, falafel wraps in the end. It's very interesting, isn't it? Wow. I'm just wondering, did you um, have to put any weight on before doing the swims? Because I know a lot of these ultra-distant swimmers, some of them pile on the pounds and the, the stones just to... to keep the warmth in a Well, bit basically more. to protect themselves from the calorie loss. Is that something that you looked at? Definitely. Yeah, so I, I've been... Because um, so, I've been sort of training for triathlon throughout this year, it's been almost... Um, it's been a trade-off in the ideal body type because triathlon has got a lot of running involved. And the physique for running is very different to the ideal physique for an ultra uh, ultra swimmer. Yeah. You see the likes of like Sarah Thomas, who swam the Channel four times, and and Mark and Stroll, who swam uh, you know the length of the River Amazon, and they've got you know huge aerobic work capacity, and then a higher body fat percentage, which is actually mm. ideal 
for those long swims. Um, and you see Ross Edgley had to put on all that weight to get um, round Scotland, so he yeah. wasn't losing those calories. But for me, um, actually over lockdown, Windermere was about 18 degrees. I was, I was checking it. So I thought with 18 degrees, I was going to be okay. Um, so I didn't actually focus on putting weight on for it. Um, and also because I was, I was using a wetsuit, I thought that would help. And um, actually, as we arrived, there was a huge low pressure that came through, dumped a lot of rain into Windermere, and the temperature dropped to 14 degrees, and washed water was 12 degrees. So the temperature, funny enough, when I arrived, um, I did think it would have been an idea to put more weight on, but it was something I couldn't have really crammed in in the last few days. No, yeah, um, it's not something to no. do last minute. So, <laughs> so with regard to I the wetsuits then, you, you, you had yeah. to go through three or four, did you? Exactly, yeah, I had four wetsuits in the end. Um, yeah, that was all because of, um, to stop and limit the spread of um, invasive algal species. Mm. So there's a, there's a problem in the Lake District at the moment where um, there's some non-native species that have contaminated a few of the lakes coming on on, you know, boats, kayaks, uh, sailing boats, even from swimmers' goggles and things. So um, we need to be very careful to not actually help and facilitate the spread of these invasives into some of the pristine lakes, like wasp water, which haven't been contaminated yet. So a key part of that was to actually uh, to, you know, swap wetsuits into a new dry one. Because the, the algae can't survive if you clean it and, and then dry it as well. So is is it, this something that you looked at yourself, or is it something you were guided with? Um, so we, we've actually touched on it on my course in, in ecology at Sheffield. And then also um, Matt Williams is a... He's an adventurer, and he walked between all the lakes last summer and swam them as well over a 10-day expedition. So I got in contact with him as well to sort of discuss how he found it. Um, and, yeah, that's where you sort of realise some of the, the problems. You, with an ultra-distance swimming event, you're always looking at the kilometres and the metres, but sometimes there's some logistical aspects of you know planning a challenge which you never would have expected, and this was one of them. So, um, yeah, I had to get plenty of wetsuits in, and we had a a regime where we sort of wipe the pipe down, you know, wash it off and wipe it down before putting it into um, at the next lake. Well, it sounds like you were really proactive for it. In terms of the, the kayaks, did you have someone with... I'm, I'm guessing you had someone with you the whole time. Um, yeah, so there's actually... I think Lowe's Water was um, just under two kilometres and Brothers Water was a very short lake. That was about 600 metres. That was the short take the whole challenge. Okay. So there I did... I didn't have a kayak and I had a tow float with me. Uh, but for the longer lakes, I had a kayak. Um, I had the kayak alongside me because um, every 30 minutes, um, it was key to, for me to take some carbohydrates on. Yeah. So that was um, also a safety aspect and also for nutrition as well. And who was on the kayak? Yeah, it was a, it was a mix so my, my, uh, between my dad and my girlfriend. Um, but at, at times, we had a strong headwind on Windermere. So I wondered if... Uh, in the big inflatable kayak, if it was a greater challenge to paddle Windermere in the inflatable or to swim it. <laughs> yeah, that's not a short distance either, is it? <laughs> no, no, I wasn't, yeah. I think my, my dad is quite hungry by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say Windermere was the hardest lake to swim? Um, I, I wouldn't, because it, it was the first lake for me. And um, I set out, I was conscious, like I said, I was heavily un- underprepared for the temperature. So the strategy I, I took with it was I was going to have to swim fast to create heat myself and okay. stay warm. So, although it would have been an ideal to start a 70 kilometer swimming challenge nice and slow, 
and I was hoping to do Windermere in this, you know, the, you know, in a way that would least tax my body. I ended up having to swim as fast as I could to stay warm. As soon as my core temperature starts to drop, that's when you get the calories coming up as well. So I actually, I almost got like a 5k PB on the first, um, yeah, <laughs> setting out on Windermere. I went through 5k in an hour. Um, <laughs> so, the adrenaline uh, kind of coursing through you as well. Exactly, exactly. Just a relief to get into the water after all this planning. Yeah. And I actually, I finished Windermere in three hours, 58. Um, and the, the all-time record for Lake Windermere is three hours, 48. So I oh, think wow. next summer I'm quite keen to go back and give that a go. Um, yeah, I would. <laughs> That's another challenge yeah. for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But probably, probably not the smartest way to start a 70-kilometer swim. Um, no. What was the coldest temperatures? 12 degrees on Wastwater, which is um, the, the most western lake. And uh, you've got the beautiful sights of Scarfell, Scarfell Pike, and Great Gables, some, some of the tallest mountains in England that overlook it. Mm. Um, but that sort of creates a big sort of shadow effect, and it's also the deepest lake. So you get some cold temperatures there, but it, it was my favourite lake. It was the most stunning. Do you get like funny feelings not knowing what's swimming underneath you or anything like that? You, you almost have to... I mean, the luxury of doing swims in the UK is that there, aren't, there isn't anything to get you. I'm sure at times in my life I'm hoping to do some larger crossings when I'm older. And that's where you, you really, you know, that's where there's a larger possibility of something in the water actually, you know, coming to get you. But in the UK, you've really got, no, I think, nothing to worry about in that sense. So I, I, it's almost wasting energy by sort of being nervous about what's below you. Um, but sure, sometimes, I remember when I was younger, you'd sort of have the jaws, like, theme tune playing in your head. That's some advice Dan needs to follow, because every time we go wild swimming, he gets in a complete panic about a little fish touching his face. It's funny how yeah. I've, I've been swimming my whole life, and yet I'm actually kind of scared of water. Just like, <laughs> not seeing the bottom would freak me out. So we spoke about it before we, uh, before we started recording this podcast, and the effects that it's kind of had on your body since. Do you want to just run through those for the listeners? Because I know you haven't done the meters that you'd like since you'd finished the challenge. Yes, yeah. So, um, yeah, my, I think as a competitive swimmer, um, almost, I mean, what Rock actually speaks, uh, speaks about with competitive swimmers is almost like you can be fast, but you're fragile. And that's because, I, you know, I think from swimming um, lots over the years, um, I have a friend that's a physiotherapist and, my tendons are actually, um, they're not, you know, they've sort of thinned a bit over time with all my training. So although I'm, you know, I've got hopefully good technique from the swimming background, actually in terms of um, an ultra, like real fast swim, um, I have to be a bit cautious with my body. So my tendons after Windermere in my elbows, so the tendon connecting to a tricep with my elbow, that normally flares up first from the catch phase of the stroke. Mm. Um, and then as you as, as you're finishing the stroke as you're sort of extending at the elbow and pushing that um, swimming constantly for four hours that sort of started to flare up and then um, on, on the final day um, a tendon in my shoulder was really sore and tight although energy wise I was actually fine um, it was more sort of the tendons and ligaments that were starting to wear down after all those kilometres so I had to do a few drills, um, a few backstroke drills at the start of old water to sort of try and loosen my shoulder up. And funnily enough, once you got swimming, your body temperature rose, and then it's almost like my body starts to unlock, unseize, mm. and then get back into the flow. Um, but I think three days, you know, and another two days would have probably been too much. Um, I'm pleased it was only three days 
swimming about 20 to 25 k a day, opposed to much more. So if you were to redo the challenge again, would there be anything you'd change about, about it? Um, just, to be honest, we planned a great route, and I'm really pleased with how we positioned all the lakes. And I, I actually wouldn't. <laughs> Everything worked almost like clockwork. The only thing is, on day two, uh, we left our food hamper at the apartment. So that was a problem. Inevitably, things go wrong on these multi-day events. Yeah. So, that, that was a problem. I had to go and get sort of a, a meal deal from co-op, which we were sort of expending about 8,000 calories. I was hoping um, <laughs> to take on a bit more than that. Um, so that's the only thing. Uh, but other than that, I, I thought the route that I did um, ended, up, ended up perfect, to be honest. And whilst the weather wasn't ideal, um, actually it meant that we could get into these car parks at the end um, to actually sort of exit the water and then move on quickly to the next lake. Mm, yeah. yeah, it does get pretty busy around there, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so how did you feel once you finished all of the swims? Um, it was, I just, it, it took a while to settle in because of the routine I was in. of just sort of put, putting my goggles on, swimming, getting out, and, and then either walking, kayaking, or driving to the next lake. It, it didn't feel like I hadn't fully really finished. I hadn't quite settled. My body was ready for, I think, another lake almost. Okay, so uh, it didn't hit home straight away. No, no, not at all. It was sort of only until I like, had left the Lake District. Um, I sort of did settle in, but it was it was fantastic to have planned planned everything. And there are so many moments when you wonder if you're going to complete it. Like when my shoulder started to seize up on old water, and I, I lost blood from my hands and feet because I was swimming slower, so I wasn't warming up as much. And I thought, you know, two k in, I was going to have to pull the plug on the whole challenge on the final day. Um, and thankfully, I managed to. I, I'm not sure how, but swim hard and bring my temperature back up. There were many moments I thought I wasn't actually going to complete it. Uh, so to have finished on Derwent Water, it was a sunny evening. It was an incredible feeling to have, to have done it, to have completed all you know all the lakes. Uh, just just relief, to be honest. Yeah, it must have been a big mental achievement. I think huge motivation. Yeah, hopefully you'll be able to look back at it in a few years' time and just be like, wow. Yeah, I did uh, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, your yeah. your friend, there's a story about a broccoli. If you want to tell the listeners about that. Yeah, this seems to yeah attracted quite a lot of um, attention now. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, my, I um, obviously, like I said, over the, over the first day, I was having a lot of sugar and things. And um, I, I just said, one of my friends, he, he's working at an environmental centre in the Lake District. Uh, and he was just asking, um, I was just saying, I was just craving some proper food now because I've just been having sugar. And he, he knows that my favourite vegetable is the broccoli. Um, <laughs> so, funnily enough, when I finished on that final lake, Sure enough, there he was. Um, <laughs> it wasn't like a bottle of champagne or anything. It was a broccoli that was waiting for me. <laughs> it's a different kind of reward, isn't it? Well, it's very sensible. Yeah. It's better, so rather than yeah, champagne yeah. at that moment yeah. in time. Yeah, it probably helped the recovery, but... Yeah. yeah probably, I, I think I'd envisaged a, a different finish. <laughs> so, do you have any future challenges lined up right now? That's the big question, because you said you wanted to really see how far you could push your body. What's next? Yeah, um, I think in the sh- short term, um, I'm looking at the Strait of Gibraltar, which is um, about a 16-kilometer strait from southern Spain to northern Africa. Uh, so that is on the horizon next uh, because, one, the water's a bit warmer and um, it's, a, it's an intercontinental uh, swim and it's one of the, the big, you know, the Ocean Seven. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm hoping to do next summer. Um, and I'm even looking at um, doing that with a good friend, uh, Tom Dean, 
I'm not sure if you heard of him. Uh, I feel like I have, yeah. I think I've known the name, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he's on the, sort of the British swim team. He's all lined up um, in, in training at the moment for Tokyo, which is obviously being postponed. So hopefully next summer, um, we're, we're going to hopefully go go for a quick time on that crossing next summer together. Um, right. So whilst I've still got a bit of speed about me from my years of swimming, yeah. trying to get some quick times and such. Um, and then, yeah, I'm always planning, I think. I'll, I'll, yeah, let you know, though. Yeah, is that, we're is, interested is that again see. for a charity? We, I, I need to discuss this with Tom actually, but I'm yeah, I'm I, again with, with just the drop. The work that they're doing is, is is incredible, and the money has a massive impact because it's it's helping create you know the technologies they're using. Um, it's often about having a bit of innovation to you know they've got like sand dams and all different sorts of technologies which will help increase access to water, which again that will have knock on effects on all parts of society you know help help grow crops and then you're also for drinking so i think um yeah we'll have a chat but possibly just to drop again okay sounds good so for anyone who is interested in finding out more about george's challenge or kind of his journey going forward we're going to link um all of his social medias in the description of this podcast and again like i said before all the links to just a drop foundation or charity yep um but George, it's been a pleasure having you on the Propulsion Swimming Podcast this this lovely Sunday morning. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, no, it's been great. Yeah, um, and good luck with your future challenges. Yes, let us know how that goes. Yeah, of course, I will do. Yeah, thanks for your time. Thank you very yeah, much. Thank you very much for coming on. Cheers. Cool. Bye, bye. Cheers, bye. bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of the Propulsion Swimming Podcast. If you want to subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, that would really help us out. But for now, we will see you in seven days. And we'll catch you on the next one.